unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello. Welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time, dear listeners, we are journeying back to those good old 90s to review the John Woo, the Woo-tastic film that is Broken Arrow, starring John Travolta, Christian Slater, and a lot of other go-to 90s actors, wouldn't you say, George? Yeah, it's packed full of, it's that guy, it's that person, oh, it's him. Wasn't he in Die Hard? Yeah, there's lots of that. So um, if you've just checked out this episode, if this is your first time, George, what, what could people expect in a typical retro ramble on a film of this of this nature? We are all about going back and revisiting the films that we grew up with. So Charlie and I are brothers. It's just, yeah, looking back at those those golden decades, mainly the, the 80s and 90s, revisiting them, seeing them, how they got made, do they still hold up? Have they been rebooted, spun off into a Netflix series, that sort of jazz. Um, but as I say, it's a light-hearted look. We're an independent film podcast. This isn't high critical appraisal, um, but you might learn something you never know. There's likely to be some childish language and some bad impressions, uh, so we can only apologise up front. Yeah, I mean, the fact is, George and I watched these films when we were younger. Some of these films we've watched continually. We share an opinion. We love the genre. We see, we, you know, I think we're quite, we see the tongue in cheek. We don't take it too seriously. And I think that's all you've got to remember when listening to this podcast. That is not the idea. So, um, going to be some interesting, we've got John Woo, we've got John Travolta, we've got Christian Slater. There's, and, and we've got lots, we've got Delroy Lindo, we've got lots of, Lots of people to have fun with in this film. So uh, mainly John Travolta. Mainly John Travolta because another John liked him on the camera. If you've listened to our last episode, Masters of the Universe, George did this really cool thing because he's just the geek that I am as well. He launched the trailer in IMDb live while we were recording, and it worked out really well because we didn't have to cut the audio, cut out, cut down the amount of work I had to do. Okay, are we ready to hit the trailer, George? We are ready. America's first line of defense. Best of friends. Ready, Captain? Snap of the earth. Here we go. Fierce competitors. Very nicely done. Almost as good as me. Ready to protect our nation against any threat. Carrying the nukes. You love having the power of God at your fingertips. Not tonight, buddy. But what if the enemy is one of them? What the hell are you doing? We got pilots down. Over here! We got ourselves a broken arrow. A broken what? It's what we call it when we lose a nuclear weapon. I don't know what's scarier, losing nuclear weapons, or that it happens so often there's actually a term for it. The only thing more dangerous than what he knows. They believe they've got an exposed core. They gotta send in a nuclear emergency search team. By the time they find us, we'll be gone. Is what he's prepared to do. $250 million by 0900 Utah time. If you have not... God, I don't know what the big deal is. I really don't. 
But there's one thing. Smile, boys. We're about to retire. He didn't count on. I know his mind works. You gotta let me go after him. Outstanding, Hal. That's the spirit. Would you mind not shooting at the thermonuclear weapons? And what are we doing? At the end of the wrong code three times, the nuke goes dead. Unless, of course, I already thought of that ahead of time. You just activated a nuclear warhead, my friend. John Travolta. You lose. Christian Slater. You're out of your mind. Ain't it cool? Broken Arrow. A John Woo film. Wow. Just... Wow. Okay, so it's 1990. This is a 996 film. It's 995 with the end of that. And you, you're at the cinema and you see a trailer. You see that trailer. We've still got voiceovers in 996. I think that's the one positive to take from this trailer because there was a moment when we lost them. And I hope they come back. Uh, but this this had a voiceover. You see this. John Woo, what, what had he done up to this point? Like, How big was John Woo? I feel like he was breaking through, wasn't he? Because Face Off was a year later. Uh, yeah, we covered his first American debut, which was the JCVD Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, Hard Targets. That was 1993. Obviously, we did that. We've covered that previously um, on a, a double JCVD feature. Um, so check that out. But on that episode, we talked about some of the, whilst John Woo came from, he was a very uh, established director in Hong Kong and he had done some very successful and critically acclaimed uh, action hits, um, including stuff like Hard Boiled and The Killer. He had a bit of a tough time on uh, Hard Target, um, working, I think, just uh, he, he didn't have the amount of freedom that he did in his homeland and studioed an interference. And there was a lot of cuts. And I think Sam Raimi, who was one of the producers on Hard Target, had to sort of fight for John Woo to, you know, get a lot of uh, decisions his way. This is three years later. And I, I don't think. Wu did any uh, any other films between this and and Hard Target, so I think he was sort of licking his wounds a little bit uh, and and waiting for um, another great idea to come through that he take and turn into a a Hollywood hit essentially. But this doesn't actually start with John Wu, so it was I didn't realize, but it's from the writer of Speed, so uh, Graham Yost. And obviously, after the runaway success of Speed, again, we've covered that on Retro Ramble. So um, check out that episode if you haven't. Speed was a smash hit. And obviously, Graham Yost, his name was kind of in demand. He was from a relatively unknown scriptwriter. He became a hot property after that. So I think Speed was, that was 94, wasn't it? Yeah, I want to say 94. Yeah. 93, but I want to say 94. Um, so he had a few scripts in development. One was called The Flood, uh, which became another Christian Slater film, Hard Rain. Morgan Freeman. Uh, yeah. But the other one was was Broken Arrow. And uh, it was greenlit by the, the studio, uh, by Fox, instantly, once they were able to get another hot property uh, from 1994, that of John Travolta. So, God damn! So, so where where did he make his um, Travolta connaissance? Travolta is is re is re rebirth the rebirth of John Travolta. I so thought, I was, always put this down as Pulp Fiction. Yes, yeah. So Pulp Fiction uh, was mega hit, you know, critically and commercially was a huge hit for for Tarantino. But it was yeah the 
I think the f- one of the the well, it's still probably one of the most popular sort of examples of a, a an actor getting a second wind in their career, and that for Travolta, you know, it was it brought him back in the spotlight, you know, after he was doing various Look Who's Talking sequels, and people had kind of forgotten about him. He hadn't done much um, great work since the sort of mid eighties, and yeah, he was obviously, and I, I think he was. Was he Oscar nominated? He, I don't think he won, but he was Oscar nominated. I think for Paul. I think both him and. But anyway, he was. Well, um, anyway, he got an award for this film. I think MTV gave him best villain. I mean, maybe there were slim pickings, you know. So he got some TV award. Everyone I mean, like, I'm glad. I'm glad he got an award for this because you, he's really working hard. Um, oh my god! And but he's in good shape. Compared yeah, no, to say both both Face Off and Pulp Fiction, he's looking schlubby. Whereas in uh, this. Maybe it's just uniform. Love a guy it, in uniform. It, no, and it's also lots of turtlenecks. Um, but <laughs> Nobody's wearing a quasi turtleneck. Not quite t-shirt. Not quite turtleneck. Like not not f- full 50. Roger Moore. It's um, a fitty. Nobody seen like comes up to the neck, but it's like. But I could be wearing a turtleneck, but it's the nineties. I'm futuristic. But, I mean, he was crazy busy in those like following years from um, Michael Pulp Fiction. So uh, Get Shorty was ninety five. Which is a great film. We he should, was knocking we, them out. We yeah, should cover that. Then, that. then Broken Arrow. And this all in '96. He did Broken Arrow, Phenomenon, and Michael. And then he did three films in '97. So she's so lovely. Face Off and Mad City. Four films in '98. You know, so he's just like he was. Wow, a hot property. You know, uh, bless him. And he was yeah on a on a proper hot streak. Um, but I think I'm fairly confident saying this was. Um, his first turn as an outright villain, obviously in Pulp Fiction, he's, you know, morally lovable, um, a, lovable a lovable gangster hitman type thing. But the interesting thing with this, because he was just such hot property, the, the studio got him and they're like, who do you want to play? I think originally he was tipped. I'm going to be the villain. I'm going to do whatever I want. That's yeah, I pretty, pretty much. And I think he was, yeah, originally tipped for the, Christian Slater role, and I think it was uh, the 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 villain role. I've already forgotten his name, but um, I think it was it was originally written as an older sort of so more of like no, no, the guy who's worried about his money, the guy who's like playing presidents, and yeah, the the guy's been in loads of stuff. I'm sorry, we can't remember your name. You you are a very good '90s character actor. Oh, you mean in loads of stuff? I'm sorry, Bob Bob Gunton. You talked about him. No, but I was saying originally wasn't he? he, Was he meant to be the 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 main villain? Or no, no, uh, no. So originally. In just in terms of of the two leads, so obviously Vic um, Travolta ends up playing Vic Deacons, and Christian Slater is Riley Hale. Really realistic names. Um, yeah. Well, maybe Vic Deacons, but um, originally, yeah, he um, Travolta was going to be Riley Hale, and the role of Major Vic Deacons was going to be an older actor, maybe someone like I don't know in their sixties or seventies. Yeah, some of the lines kind of suggest a bigger age divide than is on screen. That's the only thing that jives is like they're trying to make Christian Slate look really young, and they're trying to, but they don't make Travolta look obviously because he obviously said so. They, there's not the way they talk to each other. They look like one. They look like three years apart, don't they? When they're especially yeah. when they're doing the boxing, and I don't know what the age difference was at that time. It's probably a bit more, but like. Christian Slater seems to be really holding on tight to his 30s, uh, early 30s, and John Travolta is embracing his 40s and 50s. So I don't know, but they make them look very close together when they're doing that boxing. Yeah, there's not, there's not, it doesn't feel like there's a huge age divide. 
which I totally forgot about. I forgot about the whole boxing fight at the beginning, but maybe that's no, it's not tracking. We're on DVDs by then, but I just forgot about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's the the main main sort of overview. Uh, the only other thing I would point out, apparently, uh, the the title and the the terminology of a broken don't arrow exist. Is, well, no, it's it's it's, it's incorrect. So it's a made um, up drug. A broken arrow is a situation when a warhead has been accidentally de- detonated or jettisoned, but not re- risking nuclear war. But when a, a nuclear warhead is stolen, it's known as an empty quiver, which obviously would have been sound as good. Not as menacing as broken arrow. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. I also have some other facts um, of this film is very light on on logic and realism, but we'll we'll get into that. This was John Woo's second second movie. Uh, I think there was still a little bit of of studio interference, but the I think the important thing it still put him in front of audiences. It was a moderate uh, moderate hit. I think it was so budget of fifty million, box office of one hundred and fifty. So I think that's you know um, what would be deemed a modest success, but would obviously pave the way because he fell in love with John Travolta. And then the following following year would be face off. Just a little bit, and uh, yeah, we 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 can talk about that as well. Do you have any other more production chat? To no, no, that, that uh, it's pr- pr- pretty brief this time. Shall we uh, move on to first memories? Let's do it. So, George, what are your first memories of this film? Um, so, I think we have we have mentioned this a couple of times over the uh, podcast. Well, but just recently, we mentioned this on a podcast. I think when we said we were going to do this, you yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I would have been, I think, th- 13, 14 years old, and uh, when this came out, and I was at that sort of tricky age of obviously wanting to go and see, uh, you know, in the UK, fifteen rated films. And just being on the cusp, you know, I did look quite mature for my age. Um, and I was he had side he had sideburns. I I, I I I was quite old looking and and ended up being the popular choice to buy booze for my friends growing up. But that's a different story altogether. Um, but yeah, I was I was desperate to see this because obviously it was sort of there was a lot of hype around it. And I don't know how, but I somehow managed to convince dad and and mum to to take me to see it because i was like i want to go and see it and that was going to be the surefire way of oh well i'll get in because i'll be with my mum and dad um and i don't know i say i don't know how i managed to like get it past dad by sort of saying oh yeah it's a it's a good sort of thriller you know like a tom clancy thing you'll love it um (laughs) and dad just saw it for what it was and started it was one of those uh, things that I instantly regretted because he just started giving a running commentary of the film, and some of the the key points were when he turned to me, George, how many helicopters are going to blow up in this movie? Um, and Denver, uh, he, we've I, been to Denver. Yeah, that was the other part where at the end where they're sort of like, well, he's is he going to go to Salt Lake City? Or oh, hang on, no, no, he's going to do the rope of dope. He's going to go to Denver, and he just turned. We've been to Denver, haven't we, George? And I'm just like sinking lower and lower into my seat, just like I've made a terrible mistake. I've made a huge mistake, and I think that I think Dad knew what I was doing. He was just getting me back, essentially. Like you've brought me to see this rubbish movie, this ridiculous movie. Don't expect me to take it seriously. Yeah, exactly. So that is is my 
lasting, everlasting impression uh, on this movie? For me, uh, not not as exciting, not as detailed or illustrative. Uh, I just remember having this on DVD and watching it. I remember us enjoying, I think we were, we, we talked about this before when we kicked off this podcast, we focused on the year 1997. And the point we were trying to make is that we were spoiled for choice. Uh, the, our first three episodes were all about 997. And the 90s, what can you say? Yeah, I mean, there was just so many great films coming out at this point. And this was up there. High, I guess we'd see high concept. Before. High mm. concept. What if one of the pilots like steals the nukes? But uh, John Woo, John Wooisms. Uh, I didn't see any doves. Did you see any doves? We had butterflies. Yeah, no, I know. I, I've made that note as well. It's like, I've got no doves. All I've got is bloody butterflies. Um, but I mean, either, even definitely in, a lot of slow mo. A lot of slow mo. A lot of slow mo. But I mean, even in Mission Impossible Two, I mean, there was more pigeons than doves. Um, but you know, white pigeons. White so pigeons like doves. Yeah. Um, but yes, this is very much a a nineties film through and through, isn't it? From you've got your your Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Obviously, we've. We've talked about Hans Zimmer a lot and, you, you know, we were saying, you know, Gladiator was a sort of the big film for him. But, you know, obviously he's he's cropped up on other films we covered like True Romance. Um, he's not but, been knocking it out for years. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, this is a very sort of guitar twangy ding, 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 ding. That would, again, with like the... Raise the, its U- head in Mission Impossible 2. Like the Utah Desert. That was, yeah, very much In like Mission Impossible 2. In Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and I've also made note stealth bombers were big in the 90s movies, weren't they? Oh, yeah, go to got nukes in it, and it's like flies under the radar, looks like a spaceship, Look, looks Sold. really cool. Um, yeah. so yeah, there was this, there was executive decision, um, same year, executive decision, wasn't it? Was yeah, I think it was, yeah, 96, 97. Yeah, Steven Seagal dies in the first 10 minutes, shut up Spoiler. and take my money. Spoiler alert, <laughs> Charlie. Uh, but it's all right because we have Kurt Russell. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I think there was plenty of others, but it was yeah, very much a big '90s thing. And there's a lot, as you say, with there's um, a lot of f- familiar faces in this. So you've got uh, Kurtwood Smith, our, our, you know, Clarence Bodica from from RoboCop. The ever I can be, a, I, I can be a good guy, but I think he does. Speaking of Seagal, I think Kurtwood Smith talks uh, turns up in a very similar role in Under Siege Two. He's as a like instead of, I think he's. The general, he's general exposition of, well, we'll get right back. <laughs> uh, he's he's the man in the room in in Under Siege Two as well. So I think he was doing well in that sort of authority this is figure all role. Pre Malcolm in the Middle, uh, or at the same time. Oh no, he was um, Kirby Smith was. Oh, sorry, uh, seventy show. 70, this 70 is pre yeah. seventy show, isn't it? Yeah, and then he would fall into that as a sort of defining role. Yeah, I saw him. He's still going. Bless him. He uh, turned up in a, a very good series I watched recently on uh, Disney Plus called The Dropout. About I was just going to say, he popped up uh, when we were watching that as well. I was like, I know he's from he's from Robocop. And a, and a very almost unrecognizable Michael Ironside pops up. Who have you eaten? No, he, it's the guy who ate Michael Ironside. That's what uh, I want to say. No, but he is because I was like, I know that voice from watching yeah. the dropper. I know it. I know it. I know it. It's just like, oh my God. It's like, he's so big. I mean, you can't yeah. say he's fat. He's just big. He's just a yeah. big unit. And he's just like, he's got this enormous neck. And you just want to say, say the words, say the line, say the line. Yeah, Suck his brains, brains out. out. Like, 
That would um, be a dream come true. But anyway, we, we we can talk about our love of of the dropout uh, offline. But yeah, if, if if you haven't seen it, check it out on Disney Plus. It's a very good show. Just for Michael Ironside and Kurtwood Smith. And, and yeah, there's lots of people <laughs> together <that's> again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also, you've got uh, Vondi Curtis Hall, um, who's um, he leads the the team that go in to try and rescue the nukes, and and you know he's the the black. Oh, captain. the nest, the nest team. Yeah, the guy yeah. from Die Hard. Yeah, and Bag, Die Hard baggage and fight, baggage fight, yeah. and uh, also my prince from Coming to America, of course, of course, yeah. Um, and yeah, we 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 talked on re- earlier, but Bob Gunton, who plays the warden from Shawshank, as the where's my money? I want my yeah. money. I've invested in my team. You've killed more people. Yep, yep. Um, this isn't part of the plan. Um, and also Frank Wally, uh, who is the a reunion, a pulp fiction reunion of you know, the the say what again, yeah, yeah. I so saw the, the fact that he's there dealing with Travolta, they're in the same room, yeah, yeah. And also, um, who's the other one who the other person I spotted like being lost? Well, I mean, there's the fact that the the girl, the Terry, the uh, the ranger. She was in Samantha. pump up. The, she was in pump up the volume with uh, Christian Slater. Yes, uh, so previous. Samantha Mathis uh, and Christian Slater have appeared in a few films together, and as a result, unsurprisingly, they were dating for a time as well. Um, but yeah, uh, and she would go on to uh, co-star, though not in the same scene with Travolta in one of your favorite movies, Charlie, The Punisher, the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. Oh my God! She's, she's the one wait. that says. We, we are, are blessed. blessed. I can't wait till we do that film. Oh my god! Oh, oh we are doing that. So, so, no, no, so, so it's the guy who's from Deep Blue Sea versus Travolta. Yeah. More. Oh yes. Yes. Hammy Travolta. Travolta Bye-bye. going full like to eleven. Travolta turn on John. Do whatever you want. Like more than you did with John Woo. Getting back to that, is now a good time to talk about how much John Woo is in love with John Travolta? Or should we yeah, yeah. Let's later? go for it. Let's go for it. Like I mean, I, what you were saying before in some of the trivia is that obviously Travolta had some power in this film, but John Woo likes John Travolta. Oh yeah, camera like loves that. Just do it, do it again, but do it slowly. Okay, I'm gonna linger. And yes, monologue, John. I love it when you monologue. Just, just keep going. John, John, smoke, smoke, light yeah, up again. Smoke. You look so cool when you smoke. Uh, and he would do. That's why I was thinking. There's a prequel. There's a connection. There's some sort of the connection between what is. It's like this is a test bed for the character. He would then go on and develop and face off. It's almost like is could there be a link? This is a younger well, yeah, version you say, of Castor Troy. It is like a dry run for for Caster Troy, or or is it Sean Archer? I always get confused. Um, but yeah, I mean, this he is. I say, I'm glad he got an award because he's properly throwing. He's devouring oh. everything in sight. He's devouring the the entire set of the Utah National Park because he's doing <laughs> as I did in our face off thing. The clenched teeth. Do do at the nuclear weapons. I'm really, I'm gonna attack you. And like yeah. everything he does is like really turned up to eleven. Like even when he when he kills, uh, is it Bob Gunton? Is yeah, his name was when he kills him. He's like never done that before. Oh, felt good. Everything's so sexual with him in this film. When he smokes, it's sexual. When he fires a gun, it's sexual. When he's telling people to calm down with about the thermonuclear weapons, I don't know. He's just it's 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 a very he's in a different Randy film. It's a very a Randy film. I'm, I'm jumping right into the end, but I've got my notes. That whole sexy 
but more rapey thing where he's got Samantha Mathis, got Terry, and he's making her trigger the bomb. He's like moving yeah, on. He's like, like guiding <laughs> her finger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Push I was just like, the button. this This is really when it said to me, this was John Wu saying to him, go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. If it feels good, yeah. do it. Yeah. Like just yeah. do what you want. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to pretend and I'm going to co- co- caress her with the, the gun, John. Go on. Stick your finger there and I'm going to touch it with a gun and. Yeah, so there's a lot of that. Um, there's some interesting cameos. We've talked about a lot of people who pop up in this. Uh, the guy from Iron Man, you know, who's actually quite buff. I'm not just a nerd. I remember him from when oh, we were yes. younger, but connecting the fact that he's gone from beefcake to mild-mannered 40-year-old, I have wife and kids, Tony Stark. He goes through quite a... But he's obviously, he's been in Hollywood a while. You know, that's yes. why he probably got an Iron Man. You know, he was tried and tested. Yes, I completely forgot about him popping up. Oh no, but there's a few of that, and the the henchmen, like we mentioned, the guy from Die Hard, and um, oh, there's my, there, there's my all, prince guy. Um, so, so there's there's also um, Howie Howie Long, who is um, Travolta's right hand man, who is the ultimate beefcake. Yeah. And Hollywood tried to make him the next big thing, and he looks just, like Schwarzenegger. Could be Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Oh no, he's a bit simple. He's yeah. <laughs> like he looks the part. Can he act? Well, that's not uh, important. It's fun that he kind of like when when he turns and looks at somebody like it's so telegraphed. Everything he does is like, oh, shit, because let's. okay, that's going to bring me to plot points. Let's have a quick chat about plot points. So Travolta. We need to have a big, a big chat about plot points. I think that's what we should. This is going to be the meat and bones of this uh, podcast. Um, Travolta's done some prep, wouldn't you say? The fact that you get into a briefing. Yep, it's believable. They're pilots. They're being briefed by somebody more superior to them. They're going on a mission. Should they know anything about it? No, they could guess, but it's the military. They're not yeah. supposed to know. Not only does Travolta know exactly, oh no, we're, we've got the nukes tonight, baby. Yeah. Not only does he know everything, but he seems to have access. He can change the circuit boards and he can do, and he can put a guy in the nest team, but he's still got to, I, I get it. He's still got to steal them off site, but the fact no, but that he's got that sort of access to nukes, does he really need to sell, like steal them off site? If well, he can get in and change the circuit boards, if he can get someone into the nest team, isn't there probably a less bloodless, quicker way to get the nukes? That's what, that's what I saw this time. Well, it's, it's like the, unless I think it's regularly brought up in like, you know, the, as much, love and as amazing a film as the dark knight is it's one of the flaws is the is the joker's plan has to it almost like for the joker's plan to work it has to you know he has to expect that commissioner gordon's going to fake his death and blah 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 and all these things need to perfectly fall into place i was the author of your pain james and yeah and it's and it's it's the same for this it's sort of like how many backup plans does travolta have because as Bob Gunton gets really annoyed when they lose the first helicopter, the first of four, I think. Um, yeah, four helicopters go down in this, ba- um, in this baby. When they lose the first helicopter, Bob Gunton goes, "Well, that was that was how we were going to get the nukes out. What we're going to do now?" And he's like, "We're going to use the trucks because that's what they're." Hang on, let uh, me have a cigarette first. Hang on, can you just wait while I have a drink? I'm going to go and get I, a drink of Coke, and then I'm going to have a cigarette, and then I'll get back to the lines uh, of the script. He's I'm having. I'm going to have a sip of Coke while listening to this Hans Zimmer guitar string. So there's that plan, okay, to get them out on the helicopters. Then there's getting them on the trucks. But then there's the whole... Putting them in the mine. So they put them in the trucks in the plan because he was going there all along. It just really 
I guess that's the selling the line. There's nothing else out there in the desert. So it's very believable. They're both going to the same place. So they go to the mine where he always intended to to set one up to show that he was serious. But, but that was, that was part of his plan, but not part of Bob Gunn's plan. Yes. He's dead. He's dead. Um, but what was the whole business with the hospitals? Did the rope a dope? He made it look like we're going to St. Jude's, but and, actually he was going somewhere else. And when did he Was book he gonna set in, off the bomb? When did he book in the boats? And when did he book on the train? Because obviously you can't get those things at short notice, especially in the middle of the desert. So so let so what you're basically saying is you're not sure the, he had a good plan. Maybe you're right, no, because they, he doesn't I'm, I'm, actually get the nukes really that far from where they land i'm not saying grand master plan it's not actually a biggie it's not like they go to hong kong and around the world to iceland it's like uh we need to get they 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 basically cover kilometers in this film um basically he's not going to be joining specter anytime soon um (laughs) but no i think it's not a good plan it's just the fact that he has multiple backup plans because he knew (laughs) there's so many of them were gonna fail i knew the helicopter would fail so i've got the two um got the two humvees and then if they they were going to take them to a boat and did you then the boat the boat's got like six fucking kegs of petrol because all boats have that man i was like John, we will calm down. Then you go train everywhere. There's fuel everywhere because so, we need to ex- blow shit up. Yeah. But I just don't, I've never seen, I've never been on vehicles that seen so much like just amount of fuel around. And as you say, you know, in terms of there's a lot of payroll there, there's a lot of staff, there's a lot of vehicles, there's a lot of staff in a lot of places. There's a lot of contingency. If what if the plan went ahead, they got them out in the helicopter, you still got to pay what the boat to the guy. train. You still got to pay the train. for the train. What's going to happen with the guy, Shepherd, the guy in the, the train who's looking forward to his money until he dies 30 seconds later? The guy's face in the helicopter when he's like, don't press start, don't press start. And the guy's face is like, but what? You mean this button? Yeah, it's brilliant. So um, um, lots of shooty, shooty, bang, bang. Sorry, we haven't said it before. I did text this to George before we started recording. But for me, um, and I think our dad would agree, he would he complained about the, the amount of helicopters exploding in this film. But um, the drinking word for this film is whenever a helicopter explodes, you have to drink two fingers. Whenever a vehicle explodes, you have to drink two fingers. Now, whenever a helicopter and a train explode, well, you just got to see if you drink. I think yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A lot I mean... of explodey bang, bang, the whole thing in the mine. Let's have a shootout for no apparent reason that doesn't take the plot along at all. Or maybe but it does. It's, uh, that Your is thoughts? the... O- that and I suppose this, uh, I suppose the ending is the only sort of John Woo flourishes. Otherwise, it could just be a kind of run of the mill. Yeah, and I think that's why he got them. Yeah, so you, there's, no, there's not got... enough of me in this. There's no doves. There's no doves, but I'm still going to have Christian Slater diving down a mine with with two pistols. Uh, and just, and in terms of the shot? <laughs> the back to back talking through walls or talking, lots of yeah, lots of bickering, bickering whilst holding guns. Uh, that would become obviously done to better effect in Face Off. Yeah, this is such a preamble to that, both for John Woo and John Travolta and cinema. It's like, you like that? Well, this is better. Uh, the guys in the room think so. And and I think that's it. I, like, I'm, I was trying to work out, well, why, why is Face Off such a better film? And yes, Face Off, as we've already covered, again, one of our, our first episodes, is, is, is Face Off isn't a subtle film. But the action, it's a great action film. And and I think, and it's a ridiculous plot, but it somehow pulls it off. Whereas this, 
it's a ridiculous plot and I don't think it's really I don't I think the the plot kind of you know catches it ties itself up in knots and the thing I've I've wrote down is the fact that he's got all these backup plans yet Christian Slater is always manages to catch up with him on foot and they're in the desert so yeah. Where and there's at one point Christian Slater falls out of a, a yeah, Humvee that, and, yeah, and then manages to catch sure up with that. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's they, they just magically seem to pop up, and there's the whole bit that doesn't explain where he gets left off the boat and he just goes, Oh, gonna what am I gonna do now? Uh, and there's there's obviously like a, a, a like a real missing because all of a sudden he's just been picked up by the military and it's like, Okay, when, how did how did that happen? When did just they just go up? with it? Just go with it. So yes, there uh, there are some some magical uh, jumps in logic. Um, I was going to say there's also some uh, creative liberal uses of um, the term. E- well, again, a very nineties thing: EMP, electromagnetic pulse. Shall we talk about that now? What's that to say that isn't explained in Goldeneye? Um, that is you know the- that is true. So. Um, Apparently, um, these are these are facts. I've, I think they might have been off on IMDb. So again, t- take with a pinch of uh, salt. So, turning off electrical equipment does not protect it from EMP. No, because it would shut down. Yeah. Um, so, uh, almost all aircraft are designed to fly without electrical power, um, except for some advanced fighters. EMP would merely disable the helicopter's avionics, which would have no effect on its engine or performance. You mean so it would that's explode an- into bits? You're trying to say it, it, it would, doesn't explode into bits. That doesn't fit into my, uh, my script here, George. It, it just says explosion. You've underlined it several times and added lots of exclamation marks. So how many how many helicopters are we exploding this from? A minimal uh, three, maybe four. M- maybe four. And f- most importantly, an underground nuclear detonation does not cause an EMP. That's so those are my that... EMP facts. Well, yeah, but well, that's good. No, but it probably would, but it'd probably be a straight line going up. You know, because it's electric. It would be a shock, it, it, yeah, shock wave. Would, no, but it wouldn't like go out three sixty degrees. Yeah. It would probably go out of the, the whole of the mine. It'd be a bit. Whereas if it was above ground, it would go out three sixty. Yeah, yeah, but don't 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 worry about that. Don't let that there, ruin you. There friend. are some certain plot contrivances in this. I I think this is the same year as The Rock. Am I right? Yes, yes, it is. So I think I think the, the very this sits in between Face Off and The Rock. So it takes things it's like the rock and it's not as good as uh face off in its because face off is quite you could say small worldy you know it's like there's a bomb it's in a, it's all self-contained in la you know it's like yeah. that the, the slowest the rock, ticking bomb yeah <laughs> you exactly. set the timer for two weeks <laughs> whereas the rock you could imagine that getting international attention it's a terrorist attack on Al- alcatraz it's a bigger scale and I think when this this leans, because they, as I mentioned before, they don't get out of Utah. They don't get out of the desert. His grandmaster plan that we talked about, yeah, probably, probably if you're stealing nukes, you're selling for lots, you should probably have put a bit more money and effort into it. But it's it's very small scale. It's like everything seems to happen in the desert. There's no changing location. So my issue with this film is that it probably borrows too much from what would go on and be successful in Face Off, and not enough from like the rock it should have been grander yeah. you know it should have been imagine that they they get the nukes out of the thing and he sends them in two different directions and you've got like two different things happening in different cities and you know blah blah, blah. but that's yeah. impossible right now you know it's all two well, nukes in two different locations well that's, that's it the the thing that um 
I mean, I think, yeah, uh, Wu obviously is is trying to, and I think the whole point of the script, it's trying to be, and even the the title as well, there's a, there's a Western called Broken Arrow, and I think that's what it's trying to, it's trying to be like a modern Western, um, but with nuclear warheads. And it's, I mean, I'm surprised that Travolta, he may have had another backup plan involving horses, Um but Maybe that's where I was going. Maybe that's where John Wee was taking it. But he shows this in Hard Target. He shows this in Face Off with the standoffs. And I think it's like what he loved about American cinema. So I think he came over and I think he was like, I'm going to make films, but I'm going to show you American cinema. But it's it's the stuff that he likes. It's, yeah. it's obviously that you, you John Wee was a guy who Westerns, we wouldn't have John Wee had it not been for Westerns. And he took them to a different level. And without John Wu, we wouldn't have the raid. And without the raid, we wouldn't have John Wick. And thank you for the gunfights we have today. It's from yeah. the Westerns. You know? um, but the, yeah, the one, the other ridiculous, again, we, we are picking apart the, the plot. So apologies I'm not, if you have. You are. You are. I take it face value. It's like totally believable. Totally believable. Um, but yeah, there's the bit at the end that they just send Christian Slater in a helicopter with Delroy Lindo pilot. It's like, Where's the rest of the army? If you've got, if you know that there's some nuclear warheads, there's a warhead, freaking nuke on board a train going through Utah desert, not very far, not, not very far. But, but why did you just send one man? And the fact is, when they open the door, they're like, oh, he's it's like it's a su- surprise. There. There's a helicopter. There's a helicopter right outside the train. I know a train's noisy, but I no. Think but what would they? What would the government do normally? Be like, well, it's like if for, for movie plot contrivances, like. Well, yeah, you've got to know if they're armed. Like they say in this film, well, no, a nuke can lie in burning in fuel for five hours without exploding. So like, yeah. wouldn't they just blow up the freaking train? It's like, we found the nuke. It's there. It's like, okay, so what do you want to do? Well, we could send in some fighters. We could probably blow the train off the tracks and pick up the nuclear. Or, or what, what else could we do? Well, we could send in, we've got Delroy Lindo and Christian Slater with a couple we of could, machine we, guns. We, we could go. send in, yeah, a an airman who's probably not going to be practiced in hand-to-hand gun combat but and gunplay but let's let's not let's gloss over that because it's an exciting story yeah we're seal team six um so yeah it does fall apart a little bit but i keep talking about well like we this this wasn't the finished product but it was a stepping stone like look yes john John, and and a stepping stone for john travolta stepping stone for john woo Christian Slater would go on and then make what I think was probably a very bad move because Morgan Freeman survived that flood film a lot better than I think Christian Slater. I don't think he did much after that. That's my feeling. Well, his his kind of com- uh, comeback was a lot later with Mr. Robot, wasn't it? Yeah, which is still doing well. Uh, I think still as we might have mentioned before, we think they went too big too quickly and they've been... Anyway, uh, but Mr. Robot's good uh, and Christian Slater's good in that. But yeah, but yeah, he... I just, I just feel like, you know, there's a certain, you could get typecast and I feel like he'd done Robin Hood. Then he did this. Then he did, uh, God, what is the flood film? It's called something. Hard Rain. rain. Ch- not not chubby, chubby, chubby Rain. Chubby Rain. Hard, hard, so rain. It's hard Rain. And I don't, and that was like him over. Maybe he was in another rom-com, but that, that was the him, the tail end. Of he was pre- in pre- very, very bad things as well. And I think that's the thing with, with Christian Slater. I don't think. I've not I think, seen very bad things. Is Have you not? No, it is. It is. It's it's well, one of those. It's like a murder horror type thing. Maybe I have seen that. Maybe it's not. like a very very black comedy. Yeah, it's like stag. But it's do a bit like get... Scream. It, no, it's like a stag do where they they a guy accidentally kills the the prostitute and they have to cover it up and it just ends up going worse and worse and worse and it, it's ridiculous okay. but it is it is yeah good I, fun. I might have seen that i might have seen that um, it's not 90s trope which is what this film is i mean what else do you want to say about this film in terms what, of summing up 
this film is very much a sum of what was going on at the moment and other films from the same era are better are available but we enjoyed this yeah i mean what i was gonna say is that it's it's quite a restrained performance from christian slater because it almost has to be because travolta is so big that you know if you think about slater's better performances like like true romance and he's very commanding he can be very manic and full of energy and it's almost like he yeah, should he, have them he's used to being in films with the monologues he, yeah that's what he said when as soon as it became clear that travolta was going to be the do 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 i've got all the time in the world gonna yeah. smoke a cigarette gonna have a coke gonna do this monologue and goes so what am i doing how's that well you're the straight up jock that we can set a watch by you're going to do the right thing you know you're going to yeah. be young, young and wily so yeah it's kind of like he can't be himself which is what you i think true romance is probably you know, it's probably the best example of where he was at with his role because before then he'd been doing, he hadn't really been himself in the rom-coms and stuff he'd done. Yeah, but as you say, you know, pump up the volume, uh, Heather's, um, you know, he... Pump up the volumes when I noticed him was like, he's yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, and he did, you know, get that that label quite early on. He's, you know, he's a new Jack Nicholson. But yeah, I just don't, th- I think this is one of his, his lesser roles. Obviously, yeah, it's not the... It's not the best. It's I would say I don't know about how you feel, but after watching uh, Hard Target and this after years in the wilderness, I would probably be more inclined to go back and revisit Hard Target than I would on this. I don't know how you feel because if you want Wu and Hammy Travolta, you've always got Face Off. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I think that's it. It's like Wu, you, you, it's a go-to. It's like do you want to watch Broken Heart? Yeah, sure. After Face Off. And what's the film that you'd probably watch before? I mean, we chose Face Off. It was our second episode, I think, or first episode, first or second episode. We did Air Force One, we did Face Off, we did Starship Troopers for our first two episodes. And that's obviously what we would have reached for back in 2017 when we started. But now, you know, what about you? What what would you go for? Would it be Face Off? Would it be uh, this? Always Face Off. Yeah, always Face Off. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it is an important stepping stone for, for Wu to, to make face off. And it's a very middle of the road. It's not, it's not a dull, dull movie. It's got some, I say, yeah, Travolta does have some, some good quippiness in it, but you can tell, cause I think we talked about this in speed. I think uh, speed's script was punched up a bit by Joss Whedon, who is very good at the sort of, you know, the one liners, whereas, some of them don't land as well in this, um, but I think Travolta, it's, it's worth a watch, I'd say, for, you know, you've got some entertaining action and for, for Travolta's performance. Okay, so anything else we need to cover off? Are there any coulda, woulda, shouldas that are worth worthy of mention? Yeah, yeah, I, okay. I've got I've got several, but it's it's for neither of the lead roles. Okay, well this this should not be interesting, but it is definitely. Worth. No, no, the, 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 it, some, it is interesting. Okay, yeah, here we are. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Um, so um, this is all for the role of Terry Carmichael, uh, played by, as we've said, Samantha Mathis. Um, so Helen Hunt um, was originally offered it uh, and turned it down for probably bigger hit, Twister. Twister came out came out the same year, yeah. Yeah. Um, and apparently Jennifer Aniston was also considered. Uh, Lauren Holly, who uh, used a f- previous ex-wife... 
of more Jim Carrey. Sorry, I was going to say more expensive version of Samantha Matt- Matt- Mattis. And, yes, yeah. uh, and from uh, from Dumb and Dumber. But also, interestingly, um, in a Parkinson interview, Halle Berry uh, revealed that she had uh, tested for the role, but the producers turned it down, apparently alleging, saying, there are no black park rangers, which seems a little bit harsh to get somebody in. And not then say, oh. sure you could say that today. <laughs> Definitely not. But like, it just does seem a bit, oh yeah, let's get Halle Berry in. Oh no, by the way, there's there's no park rangers, so yeah, black park rangers, so we won't give you the role. And I think Halle Berry was also considered for the Sandra Bullock role in Speed, so that kind of makes sense as well. Um, but that is black bus drivers no black Angeles. bus drivers no. <laughs> um but that's it for coulda woulda shoulda okay so um i don't think i'm not sure what else there is to discuss i mean we keep talking about these other films that christian slater have been in that john travolta has been in that john woo has been in but yeah i think i would definitely love to go i think i'd probably to answer your question from before i'd probably pick hard target over this and face off so and The Rock. So, but it shows this is this was the film was going out, but we were kind of spoiled. We said but this what, was a Charlie, great what about, time for action. What about film. this or Paycheck? Because that's John Woo. <sighs> but that's so we're bad. Having, it's so good. We it's haven't just, watched that in a while, have we? Nonsense. Oh God, that's going to feature on this podcast. We love John Woo. We love what he does because it's like we were older, but he was still tapping into that eight-year-old in us going, yeah, but what if this? And you're like, it's nuts, John. But yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's yeah, do true. it. So the 90s is a very exciting time for George and I because we were in our teens. We were we had DVD. We were spoiled. Um, we cover these films and it takes me back to that moment. It, it was been great to go back and review Broken Arrow. I'm sorry to say that it's probably because I'm remembering all the other films that I saw around this sort of time. But after we've done a film like this, we're probably going to go back to the 80s next time, brother. Is that right? Do, can we can we say what we're going to cover or is it still top secret? Yes. Uh, so we're, we're covering a, a biggie. Um, we are covering a, a 40th anniversary uh, for arguably well, the greatest Star Trek movie ever made, The Wrath of Khan. I'm not sure if I'm ready. Are you ready? Uh, I, well, we've got to do it at some point, you know, and it makes sense as it's the 40th anniversary. I mean, uh, we're we're nine we're 90 episodes in, ladies and gentlemen. If that doesn't say how much Star Trekies Trek Trek fans that we we are not Trekkies, so that's how long it's taken us. But we're going to do one, and it's this is a film that George and I will have first consumed on Betamax or Betamax or however you pronounce it, because that's how we saw it on our. On our grandparents' beat the max. So Didn't they have like max. two films? Was it was it Tron and and it was Wrath of Khan? Tr- no, there was three. There was Tron, there was Wrath of Khan, and there was Tom and Jerry. <laughs> and, and that's all you had. You, never mind your Netflix. You had three films to pick from every yeah, time you went round. We watched all three of them every time we went there. Yeah, uh, exactly. Which says a lot about George and I. So. Uh, that's what we've got to look forward to next time. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, we've also, um, yeah, just a big shout out to, you know, thank you for all the, um, the the support that we get from, you know, across social media. So we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Um, we're also on Patreon. So for the the price of, of a coffee, um, you'll get an extra bonus uh, episode every month and the type of stuff we cover is a mixture of of old and new so we'll cover recent releases um so we've covered um things like no the, time to die matrix no, resurrection resurrection no way uh, home 
No Way Home um, and Top Gun Maverick. That was a big one recently. Obviously, it seemed like the whole world uh, saw that at least once. And we we also do the films that passed us by originally. So we do films like Roadhouse, The Warriors, and most recently, by the time this came out, um, John claude Van Damme cyberpunk classic, Cyborg. Um, so, cult uh, curio, <laughs> cult curio. Yes. Uh, so, by all means, if you need more retro ramble in your life, please check us out on Patreon. It will be greatly appreciated. But we are, as always, available at retroramble.blog. Uh, we're on all the social medias, and you can even send us messages via our website or, or on Facebook or Twitter. So, don't be shy. Um, everybody, sign up for Patreon. Thank you. There's more content coming. There's more Bond stuff because Bond is 60. Um, as we've already said, there is some very exciting retro. I think we're going to cover, we talked about uh, there's a new Predator movie coming to, debuting on Disney Plus very soon. So we're going to be covering that on Patreon as so well. Exciting! So um, very exciting times. Pray tell. Okay. So for this, I have been Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.